Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, we have, as our guest to start out with, we have Congressman Emanuel Cleaver II out of Kansas City, Missouri, a former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. And probably one of the most famous thing, nasty things that happened to any member of Congress was about in 2010 when the Tea Party people spat on him. We also have with us uh, the president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors, uh, Bob Armstead. I'm going to go right to Congressman Cleaver, uh, who's interrupted his uh, Thanksgiving preparation to get on our program, which is going to be uh, played on Thanksgiving, recorded before then. But uh, Congressman Cleaver, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And I guess uh, first, everybody want to know in my neighborhood, what happened to the gigantic tsunami of a red wave? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, I think uh, the posters were wrong, and they've been wrong in the last two elections. And I think the other thing that people uh, misunderstood was the concern many Americans had about uh, the, uh, the system of government, of democracy. I think uh, many of them uh, went to the polls uh, who, uh, uh, where politicians were thinking, at least some politicians were thinking, that they were going to go voting on uh, inflation and uh, on uh, the, 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 the problems that, they were, that many of the homeowners felt like uh, were being created uh, because of and after in the aftermath of the, uh, of the coronavirus. Uh, a lot of people right. were concerned. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah. So I think we, I think we tricked the whole country because the the, the uh, American public uh, was was far uh, more uh, knowledgeable about the events going on in the country than any of us believed, and uh, I think. Uh, the fear of of having Republicans in complete control of the legislative branch caused people to tremble. And people turned out in huge numbers, uh, unpredictably in huge numbers. And then young people voted uh, in large numbers. We normally don't expect a young, a youthful turnout uh, during the uh, elections. Uh, no matter when they occur, but certainly not in an off-year election. But they came out and voted. They voted uh, because of their concerns about uh, abortion. They came and voted because of their concerns about the environment. And uh, it turned that so-called red wave uh, into a red little trickle. And many of the people uh, who would have been wreaking havoc on the American public uh, or, or sitting around at home, uh, and 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 some of the others, was, even though they got elected, like Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and Jim Jordan, uh, they will have less uh, influence uh, over the nation than they would have had they been in in charge. Well, I just want to say that uh, uh, you know uh, the Republicans campaign on inflation or crime and things. But all I'm hearing about who is who they're going to investigate. Do you think that might backfire on them by not taking care of the people's business by trying to get their revenge on some people? I think I think the 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 uh, the, the good sense Republicans, um, you know, that we used to refer to as the country club Republicans, 
Uh, I think they are embarrassed by these folks. Uh, and I, I also think that uh, they have already hurt themselves uh, down the road for, for the 2024 elections by talking about what you just mentioned. Uh, I mean, here they are. Uh, they have a two-seat a two, uh, margin, and they're talking about, uh, the, uh, you know, coming out of this uh, election, talking about uh, investigations of, of Joe Biden, uh, at least uh, his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, they're talking about investigating uh, the treatment of the uh, criminals who broke into the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, they're talking about investigating uh, why turtles uh, are not uh, green, and, and uh, uh, they are looking at places, uh, investigating uh, the death of Trigger, uh, the horse of, of Roy Rogers. They, they, they're going to, uh, 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 Long Ranger, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be doing all these crazy investigations. And I, I think that's playing right into the hands of the Democrats for 2024 because they will have absolutely no achievements. Mayor, uh, the, 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 the Speaker of the House, uh, uh, probably the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, uh, will find that he's going to suffer the same fate as his two predecessors, uh, uh, Boehner uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Tim Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I think they, uh, they are, uh, he may last, maybe six, eight months uh, before they run him out, the Marjorie Taylor Greene section of the party, because they have him. They know, first of all, that he's weak uh, and that he he does, has no principles. Uh, he is jello. Uh, you shake him in, and he'll move into any direction that uh, the, the, the uh, uh, power uh, is coming from. And he has already cut deals. Uh, in order for them to, to start out investigating Hunter Biden, he ha- he did that for votes. Uh, he does know that that's not healthy for the Republican Party and it's not healthy for uh, the nation. Uh, yet uh, he's, uh, he's he's going to allow that. I mean, we can just get ready for it. It's going to be a, a, a different investigation every day. He has already said he's not going to allow uh, some of our uh, important members to serve on committees. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the more the radicals think up, uh, you know, things to do, uh, he's going to, going to allow it because he knows that the first time he says no uh, is going to be uh, the, 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 the end of his uh, speakership. And, uh, you know, and Nancy Pelosi will not, uh, will not, uh, make a loan uh, of her backbone to him, and so he he will uh, therefore function in, in spinelessness. Now, uh, right now, there's a talk about uh, having a new guard take over uh, the Democratic leadership. Is that etched in stone? Have they had the vote for Hakeem Jeffries and the other two lady and the, the uh, Latino gentleman to assume uh, their uh, positions? Is that going to be Something that everybody can agree on in the Democratic Party. Yes, I, I think what we're what we're going to to demonstrate to the country uh, is how adults uh, make decisions and how uh, our um, senior members uh, recognize uh, when the time is is right. 
for a, a movement toward uh, younger leadership. Uh, and so uh, Nancy Pelosi, Jenny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, the three top leaders, uh, are stepping back to provide uh, uh, opportunities uh, for three individuals who I think are uh, are uh, war seasoned. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, uh, the the, the hip hop head man from Brooklyn, uh, is uh, a masterful uh, tactician and a uh, very eloquent uh, spokesperson for the party. He is, uh, I think, as good as they get. I have uh, been supporting him for this spot for uh, almost all of his 10 years uh, in Congress. Uh, uh, I think Kathleen Kennedy, uh, 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 Kathleen Clark, I'm sorry, uh, is going to, to be uh, a good number two person. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, she... Uh, means that we will have, we will still have strong uh, female leadership in the top elements of of the Democratic uh, Caucus uh, in Washington. Uh, Pete Aguilar uh, will become the chair. Uh, it also demonstrates that we are a diverse uh, party. Uh, we have an African American, we have a female, and we have a brown member. And uh, you know, those are the things that happened organically with our party. It was not somebody said, okay, we need the black president, we need this guy. It was, it was almost automatic. Uh, that's the way we think. And uh, Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn are staying around so that uh, if, if uh, Hakeem Jeffries needs some counsel, uh, if, if he uh, needs to get a second opinion, uh, all he has to do is pick up the phone and, and uh, Pelosi... Uh, and uh, Hoyer and those guys will say, hey, uh, here's what we should suggest. So, uh, and, and at the same time, uh, and I don't think, I mean, I think this has to be mentioned uh, to, to your audience, and that is they're going to look on the Republican side, and there's going to be a fight because over 30 members of the Republican conference uh, have stated out publicly uh, uh, and nastily in, in, in some instances that they're not going to support uh, McCarthy. So the, the the American public, if they're looking for uh, some sane, sound, uh, and sensible uh, leadership coming out of the Congress, uh, we're in place uh, for for them to see just that. There will be no rancor. Now we'll have some some um, some elections down the ballot, if you will, uh, that you know will not be in a, in the top leadership positions where there are people buying for, for roles, uh, and, uh, you know, it will hardly be noticed. It'll be only uh, uh, noticed by uh, the, the, the uh, 24-hour uh, congressional watchers. Uh, but, no, we will not, it, and it's pretty much in, in concrete. I don't think any of those individuals I named will have an opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just out of curiosity, by having uh, uh, Congressman Pete Aguilar in a leadership position, do you think that will chip away at any of the Hispanics that have been voting for Republicans? It's 38 for the last presidential election, I think 39% uh, for this uh, past uh, midterm election. Do you think that well, by having uh, Congressman Aguilar there might help sway some of the Hispanic vote? I think that's going to, to help. 
uh, knowing that he that that there is a, uh, a Hispanic leader among the three top people in in Washington uh, on on the legislative side of of, uh, of the Capitol, and I think that that's not enough. I, I think people in communities all around the country are going to need to do some things. For example, in Kansas City, I created the uh, BBC, uh, the Black Brown Coalition, and from there. Uh, we are supporting black and brown issues. We have the merger uh, of the um, minority contractors, which was black, and the Hispanic contractors uh, uh, about uh, four or five months ago uh, here in Kansas City. And they uh, uh, are now working together. Um, I was able to get a, an earmark so that the Hispanic and the black chambers will be buying a building together uh, and and functioning together in the building. You know, they'll use the same boardroom, use the same uh, uh, kitchens. Uh, they will be able to uh, sit down and work on mutually beneficial projects uh, for both communities. I think those are the kinds of things we're going to have to do uh, all over the country. And I think politicians are going to have to spend uh, time uh, in Hispanic communities, if uh, if if the Democrats uh, are interested in preserving the historic relationship between uh, our party and the uh, Hispanic community, uh, I think um, uh, the the United Contractors here. I should I, I failed to mention a new name, which is United United Contractors. Uh, the Black and Brown Chambers uh, are going to uh, speak eloquently to the rest of the Hispanic uh, Hispanic. Uh, uh, leadership in the nation that that this kind of thing can happen. I I think what happened in Los Angeles uh, last month, uh, where uh, we uh, ended up with recordings of of uh, Latino members of the uh, Los Angeles City Council making disparaging remarks about African Americans uh, was unfortunate. Um, the the good fortune is that uh, Karen Bass. Uh, one of my yes, colleagues indeed. and someone that you know yes, indeed. Um, is becoming the the mayor of Los Angeles. I can assure you uh, that she will put forth uh, a maximum effort uh, to uh, uh, consolidate uh, the the uh, the brown vote uh, as she has the the black vote. So, I mean, I I, I, I think there are dangers ahead if if, if we are uh, negligent and trying to very visibly and publicly uh, uh, trying to include um, uh, the, the uh, brown community, uh, I think we win them over. Um, and our politicians, our black politicians, are also going to have to watch. Uh, we'll, we're going to have to watch our language. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I think, you know, we can unintentionally uh, make alienating statements uh, you know, and uh, I, I think now everybody in the black community in terms of leadership ought to uh, get in the habit of saying when they're talking about uh, issues of, of exclusion uh, or, or issues of, uh, you know, bigotry. I mean, we need to talk about black, brown every time, black, brown, black, brown, brown, black, whatever, uh, because if we don't, I think we're going to lose them. We've had a relationship uh, back in uh, the Seattle area, uh, the Washington State, really, 
for like the last 50 years, uh, including a lot of Blacks who occupied a building on behalf of the Chicano community, <coughs> which is El Centro de la Raza. But we have a Bob Armstead on with this Congressman. Bob is the president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. And before Jesse Hayes gets on, I want Bob just to make a couple of comments about where we are. And I know our, our colleagues in, in the House will be in the minority, but we have this infrastructure uh, bill that is going to be funded. And go ahead, Bob, and and you and use this uh, pulpit to let Congressman Cleaver what our thinking is and how the members of the Congressional Black Caucus and assistance. Uh, first, I'd like to uh, thank the Congressman for all that he has done for us nationally uh, over the years. Uh, thank him for his comments today. Uh, the observations about unity, uh, the observation about the election. Uh, I, I'm very glad the election went the way that it did. Uh, I had hoped that those two seats or three seats would have gone the other way. Uh, but there, there are many issues. We in Washington state uh, have problems that are different uh, than most other states. We're uh, probably most distant from Washington, D.C. So a lot of the things that happen there, a lot of the information that's available there, uh, a lot of the participation in activities and projects that support and help our communities are, are just not available here. Uh, the most recent example was the uh, issuance of an annual report by the Washington State Office of uh, Minority and Women Business Enterprises uh, that showed that uh, Blacks participation in all of state uh, contract, well in all of state spend actually, uh, for 2021 was less than two tenths of 1%. Uh, we had been terribly upset uh, for years when the spend was around 1%. But to now know that that spend is only two tenths of 1% uh, is, is just terrific. Uh, we also have uh, a situation in this state where there was an anti-affirmative action initiative that was misinterpreted by the person that happened to have been governor at the time that it was passed 23 or so years ago. Uh, and he issued an order that basically uh, killed all affirmative action in the state which the initiative did not do, which the uh, Washington State Supreme Court stated it did not do, which the Attorney General of the state of Washington stated that it did not do. But finally, we have a governor who issued an executive order reversing that. So for 23 years, we had basic uh, anti-affirmative action policies in this state. And for us, uh, it not only uh, restricted our ability to participate, uh, contracting, education, housing, you name it, uh, but 
for whatever reason, uh, the state, federal agencies, federal regional government in this area uh, adopted the same policies that the state had. In other words, the, as an example, say the U.S. Department of Transportation, uh, they proceeded to do things following uh, the unintended consequences of the initiative as opposed to following and upholding uh, federal directives. Uh, example being the uh, Department of Transportation DVE program, uh, yeah. where there's a requirement to receive the funding that there's participation by you know all of the ethnic groups that are included in the uh, federal guidelines. Bob, let, so, let, let the congressman explain. It's quite a bit, so I didn't want him to be able to uh, give any insight he can get on before Jesse uh, Hayes gets on. So, Congressman, uh, would you have to any comments on Bob's presentation? Well, yeah. First of all, thank you so much, and and it's it's also refreshing uh, to know that. Uh, we have, you know, individuals, uh, black uh, people. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, even even in the far northwest, even though you're separated uh, from, uh, you know, the, the the centers of power uh, by by uh, you know thousands of miles, uh, that, that that you guys uh, have um, been been on the on the battlefield uh, for the people in your community for the country. I mean, I know Eddie Rye has has been doing it uh, uh, over the years, and you have it as well. You know, uh, I, I think we're still in Washington struggling with the ten twenty six thirty plan that Jim Clyburn brought forth. Uh, and but but we also um, are, are having some some battles. Uh, we have had battles in the in the, the transportation department, uh, and and the and the, the issues you raised. Uh, we think the the, the, the most uh, ideal time to address those problems uh, are right now, because I, I think we have uh, a Secretary of Transportation uh, in uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who will, um, I, I think, try to address longstanding uh, issues of, of uh, discrimination uh, and and. Uh, and, and uh, presenting, you know, uh, uh, the kind of representation from mm -hmm. from African Americans, uh, you know, in in uh, the, a very very lucrative uh, uh, department, uh, uh, spending from a department uh, in in Washington. I think transportation, uh, other than defense, uh, spends more money than any other other uh, uh, department. So Congressman. I, I think this is a good time. Uh, to 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 get uh, the the um, uh, attention of the secretary, and frankly, I, I think um, you know you can probably get. Uh, uh, I think there are probably five African Americans uh, on the uh, transportation uh, and infrastructure committee. So, Congressman, I wanted you to hear from. Uh, we got a gentleman on the phone. We have a a, a black uh, youth flying club. His name is Jesse Hayes IV. I think he's a pilot with Boeing. But I just want you to take a couple of minutes and hear about some, a real unique program. This, and they, I just recently bought two airplanes. Jesse, are you there? 
Uh, yes, this is Jesse Hayes. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, Jesse, Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver and Bob Armstead on the line right now. Can you briefly tell them about uh, the uh, Red Tail Youth Flying Club? Uh, yes. Uh, so so we, we have the Red Tail Hawks uh, Flying Club. We have a youth program that is year-round. Uh, we are currently serving over 80 students. Um, and uh, we bookend that that youth program with uh three camps and uh and formal flight training so um, we get kids get an opportunity to get introduced with through camps get get exposed through the year-round youth program and then and then learn to fly if they chose to do, do so uh, and in the formal flight training once they're 16. so what what are your um, graduates doing right now before we start asking for the money go ahead <laughs> you know what the <laughs> We've got uh, students that have been through our program and have gone out and got uh, engineering degrees and, and pilot certifications and uh, internships with Alaska Airlines as well as the Boeing Company. And, uh, and so we've produced uh, working engineers, uh, pilots who are out uh, flying um, with airlines like Republic and JetBlue and, and uh, uh Delta and yeah uh, uh, and Envoy and a couple others that aren't coming to mind right now um, and uh, and yeah no we're, we're tremendously proud of our track record uh, we've been around for nine years and plan to be around much longer. Well, Congressman Cleaver, I wanted you to hear that that's a very unique program headed up by Black folks. That's that's amazing. My 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 uncle, my father's. Older brother Leroy Cleaver was a, a, a red-tailed uh, Tuskegee pilot, pilot, and uh, if uh, you know that's going to be um, a, a very lucrative uh, job for those young people uh, in the in the days to come, because uh, I was just reading a report where, where where our pilots are aging out in the in the United States, which means that there are going to be uh, thousands of opportunities. Uh, for African Americans um, to fly, uh, I'll say this before I go. Uh, I can remember uh, the first time I saw a, pilot, a black pilot, and it was about 12 years ago. So, uh, it, it, you know, as, as much as we can say we've come a long way, my goodness, uh, just 12 years ago I saw the first pilot. I I average 1,800 miles a, a flight a week. I just got off a plane uh, to hurry so I could to, could, could uh, be on the show. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. You guys are doing it. May God continue to bless you with strength, wisdom, and determination uh, to do what you're doing. Okay, and happy Thanksgiving to you and the family, Congressman Cleaver. We All appreciate right, you, too. You as well. Okay. Tell, uh, All right, Jesse. Now tell Bob how the National Association of Minority Contractors to make a contribution uh, to the Red Tail Hawk Youth Flying Program. Uh, yeah, just uh, go to uh, redtailhawksflyingclub.org. Uh, and uh, the, the website will direct you in, in numerous ways to give. Okay. Uh, give us the website address. Yeah, it's redtailhawksflyingclub.org. Uh, you can also uh, find us on Facebook at Red Hawks BPA. Now tell us about the fundraiser. Ah, uh, so Saturday, December 3rd, uh, the eighth uh, Future Thrust Awards. 
And uh, what we do is we honor folks who are out uh, doing great things in the community and serving others. And so we'll be uh, giving a couple of awards out to Dr. Paul Petrie with uh, Washington State University Everett, as well as uh, Lenny Bell at uh, um, Museum of Flight. Uh, but the highlight of the evening uh, often is really just uh, folks getting a chance to see and listen to our, our youth uh, uh, tell their own stories about the um, the Red Tail Hawks and, uh, and how the Red Tail Hawks have served them. And so we, we've um, got the, the students involved in introducing the speakers and uh, telling their testimonies. And so it, it should be a fine event. And, you know, and in, in addition to really good food, uh, we, we plan to do some dancing as well. So bring your dance shoes, and uh, we'll, we'll let DJ summarize uh, and entertain us. Okay. Well, I tell you what, uh, uh, Eric, why don't we take a, uh, we'll give you a shout out again next Thursday as well, Jesse. But uh, Eric, why don't we take a break right now? We hook up Anthony Robinson. Okay. Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on link light rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Alternative Talk 1150. That reminds me of the CD and Helens and stuff back in the day when we had a neighborhood. But anyway, before we go to Anthony, I want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion with John T. Robinson, the Port of Seattle's University Contracting Office with me and Rice, uh, the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, Rod O'Neill and, and Jerry Whitsitt. And I uh, want to also thank, uh, 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 I didn't miss anybody. Me and Rice just got off the phone. Okay, uh, my next guest is Anthony Robinson, and uh, he is on the Zoom call. Uh, Anthony Robinson has been a fighter and an advocate for minority business for the last 30 or 40 years, actually 50. And uh, he was an attorney 
that uh, argued the Adirond case and uh, Bob Armstead, our Washington Chapman National Association of Minority Contractors, made sure that that clip was put up on uh, our website. That's NAMC.org. Uh, Bob, is that correct? They can hear uh, Anthony's interview and also hear your opponent's interview. So uh, I just wanted to, to talk right now. We have affirmative action. And by the way, everybody, Anthony is going to be the guest at the December 1st uh, Washington Chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors General Membership Meeting, Thursday, December uh, 1st at 5 o'clock. And that'll be 8 o'clock his time because he's in Baltimore. But Anthony, why don't you just uh, take a minute or two and share with our listeners a little bit about your background uh, and before we go and talk about the current case or cases that are in the Supreme Court challenging affirmative action. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, as Eddie said, um, I uh, am an attorney by training um, and had the good fortune to um, meet a man while I, <clears throat> when I was in college by the name of Perrin Mitchell, uh, who went on to Congress and became known as the godfather of minority business. Um, before he retired from the Congress, uh, he uh, approached me to say that the advocacy on behalf of minority business needs to be institutionalized. And so he formed an organization called the Minority Business Enterprise Legal Defense and Educational Fund, uh, what we affectionately refer to as EmbelDef. And this was a public interest. He set it up as a 501c3, but we operated like as a public interest law firm. And our uh, focus was the defense of minority business programs, uh, not only at the federal level, but at the state and local levels as well. We had a network of attorneys across the country that we called our National Lawyers Panel. And so they um, represented us in the various lit litigation that we were involved in. The first major challenge to minority business programs occurred in the state of New York with a case called Fully Love versus Klesnick. I won't try to bore you with a lot of legalese, uh, legalisms, um, but this was the first major challenge to minority business programs. That particular case resulted in the Supreme Court affirming the right of state and local governments to, to, to use race as a consideration in the award, awarding of contracts. A few years after that, another case arose called Croson versus the city of Richmond. And that is the case that I think Eddie, uh, the, the interview was in reference to that particular case. And we uh, organized a, a national march around that particular program. In that case, the Supreme Court applied its most onerous standards called strict scrutiny on state and local governments using the issue of race um, as a part of a procurement process. Um, and the court struck down the city of Richmond's um, program uh, and then uh, a few years after that was the Adirond case uh, involving the Department of Transportation. 
And again, the court affirmed its strict scrutiny standard that it imposed in the Croson case. It imposed that in the Adirond case to affect state and local governments and the federal government as well. And the court restricted considerably the use of race consciousness in a procurement process. Um, but it still upheld that it could, state and local governments could use race as one consideration in a procurement process, in a state procurement, a public procurement process. Um, but it could only be done in light of ongoing active discrimination. And the, 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 the court basically told state and local governments and federal government that, um, uh, at least the agencies, that they needed to, um, to, to, this is where the whole disparity study phenomenon came into play. And in those uh, disparity studies, the uh, uh, economists, consultants, basically looked at the, the, the procurement history and determine one, the availability of minority firms. And now in some instances, in some uh, jurisdictions, women as well, the availability to, uh, to perform on, on, on the types of contracts under consideration. And then they looked at their utilization. And if there was a major disparity between availability and utilization, that was at least a prima facie uh, case of discrimination uh, in the marketplace. Now, there's a lot more that goes to uh, the disparity studies to buffer, buffer, if you will, um, the 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 the, uh, the disparity between availability and utilization. Different econometric models that are used to factor in uh, other elements that will bolster the the whole issue of race. In the cases before the Supreme Court that were argued earlier last month, the cases are about admissions policies at major universities. The important thing that we need to understand is that although they're talking about educational institutions, the case law is almost identical relative to minority business programs or affirmative action in business. It's the same basic case law tenets that are involved in the, the, the educational institutions that's also involved in procurement and minority business programs. So one will affect the other. And the, one of the things that I think we need to appreciate is that there are all types of organizations, uh, basically public interest law firms, that are bringing these cases. They're anticipating where the courts are going and they try and accelerate the impact of the decisions by putting cases in the pipeline. The, 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 the Federalist Society, as you many may know, have put a lot of these judges on the bench and they have their mandates relative to 
where they want to see affirmative action, among other things, in what direction. The same was true with the issue of abortion, et cetera. So they, they put these cases in the pipeline. So when the Supreme Court moves in a certain direction, they have the cases prepared and ready and already in the pipeline to accelerate the impact. You mentioned disparity studies. Uh, Bob filed uh, a complaint, well, it was on behalf of 21 individuals and organizations uh, with the Department of Justice. We've had nine disparity studies. You think you have one show the disparity? And then we recently got the uh, Office of Minority Women Business Enterprise report for 2021 that shows where uh, uh, African-Americans, and they said Black, it could be as other Blacks as well, received 0.18%. We already had nine disparity studies proving that. So I'd like to have Bob share a minute or two with you on where we are on that. Because you mentioned disparity study. We've had several. They all say the same thing, but there's been no action. So Bob, why don't you go right ahead? Okay. Good afternoon, Anthony. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you again. I, I am good. You know, it uh, reliving 35, 40 years. Yeah. But uh, in, in Washington state, we have uh, a unique situation here. Uh, Eddie mentioned uh, nine disparity study. That's nine in the last 10 years. Uh, we've had upward of 20 disparity studies uh, in this region. Uh, because you're, you're so familiar with the laws, rules, and regulations uh, regulating them, uh, you know that there's a section where they are allowed to uh, to give an opinion, but for disparity and discrimination, these things uh, would have or would not uh, have happened. Uh, in each of those instances, they have made notations about the underrepresentation of Blacks African-Americans in the uh, expenditure of funds uh, provided to state and local agencies through the U.S. <laughs> Department of Transportation. Uh, also in that law is the ability for them to do things to remedy those situations when they have uh, occurred over an extracted period of time such as they have here. Uh, but here in Washington state, they want to do new disparity studies uh, for whatever period of time, you know, the law requires that they do the disparity study in order to uh, continue to receive the funding. Uh, unfortunately, here in Washington state, uh, the things that you breeze through uh, those court decisions that have direct influence over uh, minority participation through uh, funding provided by the Department of Transportation, uh, the majority of people in this state are totally unfamiliar with. Uh, that includes the uh, regional and state federal employees that, that work for USDOT, as well as the uh, state and local agencies that receive the funding and are responsible for the administration. Uh, Eddie briefly spoke about the fact that we recently had released an annual report by the uh, Office of Minority and Women's Business Enterprise in the state 
that shows that black participation in the spend, uh, not just contracting, but in the spend of uh, state dollars uh, for, uh, for blacks is less than two tenths of 1%. Uh, the, the, it's just horrific how anyone with good conscience, uh, could be satisfied with those kinds of results, but it is an ongoing practice here. We have a situation where rather than advise and actually control, uh, federal requirements for participation in this state, we have federal uh, employees that not only allow uh, the state to do these things, but actually participate in the practices. Um, we have had the only uh, non-compliance report issued against a uh, state uh, DOT, uh, issued against the state of Washington as a result of a Title VI complaint. Uh, that uh, report from the uh, Federal Highway Administration laid out certain uh, principles and practices that were to be followed by the state. Uh, the state responded with a response that the uh, regional uh, DOT bought off on. There has been uh, lip service and reports filed in response to that but the two-tenths of one percent is more clear and better evidence of the fact that there has not been any action. That was the number when I first got started in this game. Um, one, one, I don't think it was two percent. I think it was one percent, one-tenth of one percent. One-tenth of one, right. Yeah. Um, when I first got in this game and I'm kind of familiar with what's going on, what has gone on in Washington state. I think the first case that um, that I got involved with that brought me to the state of Washington um, was a case in which minority subcontractors, black subcontractors in particular, were being systematically run out of business. Um, they started slow paying them and then the bank would you know, eliminate the lines of credit. The bonding company would then eliminate the bonds. And they were just systematically um, uh, putting those put, putting those brothers out of business. So I'm I'm a little familiar with it uh, with what what goes on in the state, and not not surprising that you would have federal officials who have the responsibility for implementing the programs actually participating in the discrimination themselves. Um, you know, none of, none of these programs are self-fulfilling. Uh, you have, you know, we have got to couple the political will, and I know you all got political will, don't, I don't mean to, to, to suggest otherwise, but you gotta have the political will acting simultaneously. Um, we've been very fortunate here in Maryland uh, and by having a very active uh, legislative Black caucus who, um, who 
who were influenced greatly by Perrin, by Perrin Mitchell. And so they, uh, they've been on board from the very beginning. Uh, as you know, we just elected a, a, a black governor here in the state. Um, and we're expecting some, some, some good things out of him. But the point I want to make is that absent the political will, the disparity study really doesn't mean a thing. We see. Um, you, you, got, you got to have the political will buttressing the disparity study, giving the, um, the, the state officials uh, what they need, because the tools are there. You, you just you, you described, um, <laughs> you know, they, they make recommendations on ways in which very specific recommendations on ways in which discrimination can be overcome. But absent the political will putting the pressure on them to actually implement it. And you have to stay on, on, on that part of the process as well. I've seen them just, you know, go into a black hole. And you never hear from them again. Uh, meaning the disparity study. Huh? I said we, we know about that. Also, Bob, I'll let you know that uh this distinguished attorney, Anthony W. Robinson's also Angela Rye's DC God Dad. So uh so I have I'm very to, proud of that, by the way. <laughs> I, I have to attribute a lot of her success on the hill to this gentleman right here who's been on the hill for a number of years. But I uh, mean, we're out of time, but man, I want to say happy Thanksgiving, Anthony, to you and your family. Thank and you. We'll be in touch uh, because you, Bob, and I need to talk about some strategy. Like we just received a copy of this report recently, and we definitely want to do something with it. So thank you all very much. Have a good Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you real soon. Okay, thanks, Ed. Okay, thanks. Okay, Eric, we're going to take this uh, last break. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port Gen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. 
multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Sly and the Family Stone taking me out on this Thanksgiving afternoon. I want to thank uh, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department. Jesse Gilliam is the Acting Director. Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion with John Tay Robinson. The Port of Seattle Diversity and Contracting Office with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Josie Regan. The SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, with Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsett. They have the Africa Lounge and Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A. And I want to thank uh, Bob Armstead for hanging in here. And I think uh, we've done everything that's required to make sure that uh, our contractors get some uh, equity. And also, uh, uh, so Bob, you think that we're on the right track? Uh, we're on the right track. As uh, Anthony just stated, though, we, we need the political will of the people that we have elected to serve us in this region to ensure that uh, we no longer have reports with, you know, okay. less than two tenths of 1% participation in the spend of state funds by, uh, by Blacks. Well, next Thursday, December 1st, Anthony Robinson will be the guest for the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. And uh, I would like to have you check in, check it out because he's a person that has uh, been involved with all of the com uh, co uh, complaints and uh, all the lawsuits uh, challenging affirmative action. And Jesse Weinberg gave me some very interesting information about uh, a Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh having exchanged with the uh, uh, opponent of affirmative action, the attorney representing them. And they're even talking about possibly going to lineage, like how long people have been here. Uh, that would be some equity because we know uh, we gave up 254 years free in terms of slavery and have fought in every war and bad in every war for this democracy. And uh, we hope that the people who uh, tried to overturn the United States government on January 6, 2020, get what they have coming. I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene or the rest of the folks can pardon them. So I want to say happy Thanksgiving once again. Happy Thanksgiving to you, uh, Eric, and your family, to Bob and you and your family. And once again, on Thursday, December 1st at 5 o'clock, Anthony Robinson will be the guest for the Washington Chapter National Association of Minority Contractors meeting. And you will then go to, is it NAMC.org, Bob? NAMC.org. I mean, NAMC.com. Okay, NAMC.com, the website address for the National Association of Minority Contractors. Thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. 